Let the people of God say amen. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God and the mountain of his holiness. The Bible says, let Mount Zion rejoice and let the children of Judah be glad. Pray with me. God is so thou great Jehovah, we are pilgrims in this barren land. We are weak, but you are mighty. Hold us with your powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed us till we want no more. Feed us. God is preaching time, and I'm mindful that there is absolutely nothing that I can do for you without you. And God, since you have been kind to speak to me, I'm going to ask that you would be kind to anoint me for this moment. Preparation means nothing without your power. Studying means nothing without your spirit. So, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be both pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, thank you for being our strength. Thank you for being our redeemer. And God, whether we know it or not, thank you that when we woke up this morning, you were still our best friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Together, the people of God said amen and amen. I greet you this day in the strong, competent, able name of Jesus Christ. It is certainly in, through, and by him that I move, that I live, that I have my being. I am so honored and grateful for the privilege that it is to worship with you this day in such a beautiful place uh, with such an amazing scenery. If I could take this backdrop down to Prince George's County with me. Promise you that I absolutely would. Dorothy said it best in The Wizard of Oz there is no place like home. And uh, I am always honored uh, to be preaching back at home here in Baltimore. I am so grateful uh, for your pastors, Pastor Bob Bingham and Pastor Corey Barnes, uh, both two men that I admire and look up to a whole lot. Thank God for them, and I know you do as well. So won't you, Grace City, help me celebrate and thank God for your pastors. Thank God for them. And, and whether you know it or not, every opportunity that you get to celebrate your shepherds, you should. And here's why. I don't know if you've thought about what it takes to get up 52 times a minimum a year and have to tell the same story to the same faithful. I, I don't know if you've thought, the, thought about the amount of creativity that these two men must muster up again and again. I, I don't know if you've pondered the nights that they could not sleep because they were praying for you. And so when God has blessed you with such amazing pastors as this, 
I think that means that God thinks a lot about you. And so come on, one more time, Grace City. Help me celebrate <clears throat> these two awesome, awesome men of God. And certainly we are grateful for the gifts that God has blessed to walk alongside them that make them look so good. Persons of their beautiful, queenly wives, Sue and Rashima. And I think uh, Rashima turned 27 the other day. <laughs> Isn't that right? Did I get it right? All right. See, that's, that's why I was her favorite. That's why I was her favorite of all of his students, because I always got it right. God bless the both of you. Thank God for you as well. To your entire uh, ministerial and pastoral leadership team, uh, certainly grateful for all of you in your respective places. Uh, Corey gave me an amazing uh, introduction, and he, he was right. Uh, he was my middle school teacher, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. That was 20-something years ago. And um, God is funny because um, the Lord won't let me get rid of this man. <laughs> he keeps showing up. And so we then went on to become co-workers. North Bay for a season, uh, and then uh, in a way in which only he can, uh, he called me about two years ago and said, uh, all right, Michael Parker, meet me up here at St. Mary's. You're going back to school. And I got in my car, <laughs> and I met him at St. Mary's, and the rest has been history. And I am grateful to God for who he is in my life, and I'm excited about what God is doing his life. Well, my assignment is to preach, and that's what I like to do, and so I am going to do that, and I am certainly grateful that my church has uh, been kind to let their pastor go the second week of the year and uh, to get up here to Baltimore, and certainly for all of those that are caring for things at the Journey United Methodist Church in Prince George's County, where I am blessed to serve as the senior pastor. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me in the book of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't, say, hold up. And if you're struggling, then uh, we can get you back to Sunday school because Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Gen oh, and it's on the screen. Amen. Genesis 12. Genesis 12, beginning at verse number one. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah, 
At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. From there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on. Still going toward the Negev. Look at verse 9 again. And Abram journeyed on. Still going toward the Negev. God's word is already blessed. I'm going to share for just a few moments this morning from the simple thought. Journey on. Journey on. John Wesley, who is founder of my beloved denomination once said, and I quote, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen, they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. Without a doubt, beloved, we are living in days and through times in which the world could use a few more of this type of preacher. If just a few more of, of this type of preacher existed just maybe last year, more than 300 families would not have known the knock or the phone ring of a homicide detective in this city alone. If just a few more of these type of preachers existed, maybe last night more than 10,000 children would not have died from hunger or starvation. If just a few more of these types of preachers existed, just maybe the educational systems of our nation would not be as toxic and inadequate as they are, and just maybe first graders would not take loaded guns to school. To shoot their teachers. Sisters, if, if just a few more of these types of preachers existed, maybe some of you all would not have to fight for the 23 cent an hour you don't see on your paycheck that a man does for doing the same job. Beloved, don't be deceived. The world groans for this type of preacher. The world has done its best to ensure that the gates of hell are doing their job. It's our job to do our best to ensure God's kingdom trumps it all. And without a doubt, beloved, that's exactly what your pastors have been doing for more than a decade. For more than a decade, they have stood, as we might say in my church, flat-footed and preached the living word of God to you with power, conviction, and authority. For more than a decade, they have walked alongside you, not just when life was great and, and could get no better, but when life was lifing. 
and you did not know what to do nor which way to go. For more than a decade, they have done their level best to be your best example of what it means to be both the hands and feet of Jesus out in these streets. Often crossing racial, economic, cultural, and even religious barriers just to do so. For more than a decade, they have ordered the life of this faith community, have cast vision, and equipped the saints here for the effective work of ministry. For more than a decade, Bob Bingham and Corey Barnes have broken barriers. As quiet as it is kept, has done what others have said would fail within six months. Dream God-sized dreams, sought after God moments, and walked with you. The amazing people of Grace City into what is your right now. And, and you do understand what your right now is, right? Your, your right now is that you are a church that survived a pandemic. A time in which churches that were already struggling beforehand closed and the fractures within which were exposed even the greater. You, you've, you've survived a city that imploded upon itself. All at the hands of community and police not being able to work together. You've survived moves. And meetings here and meetings there and Zooming here and Zooming there. Now, please don't think, especially for your pastors, that this journey has been all roses and sunshine. As their colleague, I can tell you that it is not. You, you see, we serve in a vocation where annually, Anywhere from 4,000 to 5,000 of our colleagues quit never to pick up the gospel message again. We serve in a vocation where pre-pandemic, more than 70% of us worked an average of 55 to 75 hours a week. We serve in a vocation where more than 20% of our colleagues feel distant from their family. We serve in a vocation where more than 50% of our colleagues say that the training they received in seminary did not adequately prepare them for the realities of the roles that they would have to fill. More than 50% of our colleagues cannot pay their bills every month. More than 50% feel overworked and burning down by the unrealistic expectations of the church. More than 30% battle depression, and just under 30% feel fatigued and spiritually malnourished. Beloved, this is not child's play. Ministry is not an easy job, but it is certainly worth it. It is worth it to know that you are impacting lives for the greater good. It is worth it to know that you are helping to make what matters to God matter to others. It is worth it to see the often subtle changes in people that come about because we've been faithful 
to spend time listening to them, encouraging them, guiding them along the way. Beloved, it is worth it to know that what you are doing is what God called you to do. Here in this text, Abram is doing what God has called him to do. The Bible says that when Abram was 75 years old, God calls him. And, and God, as God often does, does not just call Abram to some small, semi-important task. God calls Abram to do something that others would think is absolutely crazy and out of Abram's league. Abram is to pack up all his stuff and leave what is most familiar, leave what and who validates him the most, leave what he knows inside out and outside in, and go to an undisclosed place that God will show him when he gets there. God's call to Abram is followed by a mirage of promises. God promises to make of Abram a great nation. God promises to make Abram a blessing to others. God promises to bless those that bless Abram and to curse those that curse Abram. God even promises to make Abram's name great. And, and, and God gives no explanation as to why Abram or why he will do all these things for Abram. God just chooses Abram to be the one through which God will make for God's self a holy people. Now, now I can only imagine uh, that this must have been too much for Abram to comprehend and maybe even fully believe. I mean, after all, he's 75 years old. And his wife, Sarai, has been barren their entire marriage. And, 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 and who in their right mind packs up and moves at 75 years old unless it is absolutely warranted? Yet Abram put his full trust in what he knows he has heard God say. And in an act of radical obedience, he packs up his duplex in Haran and heads out of town. And the Bible says along the way, or along rather with Abram and his wife, uh, is Abram's nephew Lot. Now, now again, Abram is called to, as one theologian says, abandon the security of his homeland, his social sanctuary and family support in order to become the head of a new household and without knowing where he's going. Not knowing where he's going and if we are honest, what he's doing, Abram must put his full trust in God for guidance because this call tested if he could, as John Wesley would say, trust God further than he could see him. Now, now what's interesting to me, that verse 4 simply states, but in a profound way, so Abram went. There's no challenge to the call of God. 
Abram does not question God, nor does he give God a list of excuses that might get him out of such a task. He does not attempt to run away from God nor hide. So Abram went. Bible says that they set out for Canaan. And as he travels, he passes through Shechem to the Oak of Morah, the Bible says, and it's here, the place where worship and hope for some divine encounter that God speaks to Abram yet again. This time God says, I'm going to give your children this land. Now, a fatherless Abram does not laugh at God. He does not remind God that he does not have any children. He does not ask God how this will happen since Sarah presumably cannot conceive. Instead, the Bible says that Abram builds God an altar. He then uh, continues his nomadic journey toward Bethel where he pitches a tent, a temporary dwelling place. And builds yet another altar for God. This is not it for Abram. But the Bible says he journeys on. My friends, there's an old hymn that says, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. When the Spirit speaks to me, the hymn writer continues, with my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be yes. Lord, yes. Oh, beloved, if only it were as easy to live those words out as it is to sing them. Far too many times, our yes to God is followed by a comma when our yes should be followed with a period. Saints, God's call is often huge, feels unobtainable, and may even scare us, but that's exactly how God likes to roll. God loves to call us to that which we cannot do apart from God. God loves to call us to that which will take the endowment of God to accomplish. God loves to call us to that for which we need God for guidance, resourcing, and provision. This, beloved, is the call that's on our lives. And so there are three little points I want to highlight about responding to such a call. First, God's call just might require you to make a move. First thing God tells Abram to do is move. Abram is told, leave home. He is told that to go to where God wants him and where God has God's best for him, he will need to walk away from what is most familiar. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but I hate moving. 
absolutely nothing about the process. Picking a new place, going to Target and buy totes, asking who has some boxes, purging and keeping, changing addresses. Nothing about it excites me nor gets my gears going. And I am crazy enough to be a part of a denomination where I am often called to move churches in homes. I don't get to decide where I go year to year. However, one thing I've learned as I have sojourned for and with God is that sometimes our greatest blessings come from unfamiliar places. Let, let me say that one more time uh, in, in, case, in case I've got some note takers in, in the room. Sometimes our greatest blessings come from unfamiliar places. God had a desire to bless Abram in a way that he could not be blessed if he remained where he was. It's going to get hard real quick for somebody, but, but beloved, the best thing you can do for you is move. Stop limiting God's desires for you to only be where you are right now. Does God not have the whole world? in his hand. Does God not own the cattle on a thousand different hills? Is God not the creator of sea and sky? God's ability to bless you is not limited to your Haran only. Sometimes there's a Shechem blessing waiting on you. Sometimes there's an oak of Mora blessing waiting on you. Sometimes there's an Agad blessing waiting on you. And beloved, you cannot access Shechem, Mora, nor Agad blessings if you're only in Haran. To get them, you've got to move. Abram moved, and God blessed them every step of the way. What are you saying, preacher? I'm simply saying... If you do the moving, God will do the blessing. If you do the moving, God will do the supplying. If you do the moving, God will surprise you every step along the way. Make no doubt about it. God has surprised these pastors over 14 years. Fruitful ministries, deep community ties, a competent and strong staff, engaged disciples. These types of surprises did not come because Bob and Corey stayed where they were, but because when God was faithful to call, they were faithful to move. Do, do me a favor, ask your neighbor, is it time for you to move? So, so, so you, you might got to move. But secondly, you might need a partner. The, the, the Bible says that Abram, upon getting direction from God to go, takes his nephew Lot with him on the journey. Now, now, now let, me, let me be correct for all, all Bible scholars in the room. This move has been debated in theological circles for a long time. Was Abram right 
Did Abram disobey God by taking Lot? Should Lot have refused the offer? I'm not sure. But what I am sure about is this. Ministry, when done right, is done in partnership. Let, let, let me say that one more time because I, I really, I want to make sure the five of you that did not clap gets that. M effective ministry is done in partnership. Nowhere, nowhere in the Gospels do you see Jesus sending his disciples out one by one. They are always sent out two by two. This work is too big for just two hands to handle. Beloved, you need someone to go along with you as you are doing the things God has called you to do. Now, this might get me in some trouble, saints, but if you are doing ministry in a vacuum or by yourself, you are not doing ministry. Who's going at it with you? Who's your number two? When it comes to walking out the path God created for you to walk, who has God called and fit to accompany you as you seek to do God's will in the earth? Too many ministries die because the leaders go at it alone. Partnerships and ministries are vital to longevity and to fruitfulness. Grace City, you think you've made it 14 years because you've gone every step of the way by yourself or as an isolated church out on your own island. No, you've made it because your leaders have had the wisdom and the godly foresight to connect you with who will help get the message of Jesus to where it is needed the most. So, you may have to move. You may need a partner. The last point is this, when responding to God's call, build. The Bible says that twice, Abram built. But, but not only is it important that he built, it's important what he built. He built altars to God. Of all the stuff he could have made, he built God that upon which God is worshipped. He used his skills and his resources to manifest that which brings glory to God. For 14 years, Grace City, you have been manifesting what brings glory to God. And building is not easy by a long shot. There are twists and turns along the way, but you must be diligent in your quest to build what brings glory to God. Beloved, there are skills still waiting to be released in this church that will bring glory to God. There are connections in this church that bring glory 
to God. There are ministries that are still waiting to be elevated that will bring glory to God. And beloved, just like Abram was in a tent, you can still build an altar to God in a temporary dwelling place. You see, the good thing about God is that God will go where we go. God is not a God that leaves us. God is not a God that denies us. God is not a God that abandons us. But God is a God that walks with us every step of the way. And I don't know who I'm talking to in Grace City Church, but there's somebody here this morning that can say, Preacher, God has been with me every step of the way. He's walked with me. He's talked with me. He's reminded me that I am his own. God has been with me every step of the way. Grace City, I leave you with the words of the hymn writer when he said a charge to keep you have a God to glorify they are never dying souls to be saved be filled for the sky journey on don't get lost in what God has done. Don't get stuck in what God has done. In fact, Isaiah says it this way, I'm doing a new thing. Your past has been great, but your future looks a whole lot better. Pray with God who calls us, here we are, and we are responding to your call. We'll move if you need us to move. We'll, we'll partner where you want us to partner, and God will build. We'll put together the pieces of that which will bring you glory. What an honor, God, it is to be called by you. And God, I am especially grateful and thankful this day for this church and for these pastors. God, for the way in which for 14 years you have endowed them with dunamis, with power. To shake the gates of hell and to build your kingdom right here on earth. Thank you, God, for the barriers that this church breaks down and the fact that it exists alone. For the communities that it brings together. for the Christ-like love that it exhibits. God, thank you that Grace City is a great little Polaroid of what heaven must be like. When all of your children get together to praise your name. And now, God, as they 
journey on, I pray that you would undergird them as only you can. God, defend them from every enemy. God, not only the enemies that are waiting for them on the other sides of these doors, but God, even the enemies that have made their way into their camp, God, defend them from every enemy, every naysayer, every doubter, every person that doesn't dream big enough. God, defend them. Keep them girded up, oh God, on every leaning side and fortified for the journey that is yet ahead. God, thank you for ordering these pastors' steps. And God, we pray that as they take care of your business, that you would continue to take care of theirs. Bless their homes, bless their children, bless their grandchildren. Bless the great-grandchildren that they have yet to meet God. Ensure that their needs are provided for as they are providing for the needs of your people. God, continue to speak your word to them. Continue to give these preachers preaching power, tenacity, and innovation. God, continue to speak to them from the wealth of the revelation of your word and give them a word fitting for this people as only you can. But God, the meal means nothing if the people aren't hungry. And so God, keep these sheep ever hungry for your word. Ever hungry for your presence. Don't let them enter one worship experience without the expectation to experience and encounter you. But God, every time they gather, whether it's here in this space, or if it's in their virtual tent, May your power be felt. Now, God, we thank you that when you could have called anybody else, you chose to call us. And so enable us to live that call out to the full. And when we've done the best of our service, trying to tell the dying world the Savior has come. Let us not be dismayed when folk don't believe us. Because God... You'll understand, and our desire is that one day we hear you say, well done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we close.